Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. I mean, what is up? What is up? What is up? What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and if you can't tell, I'm awfully fired up today. That's what 70, 70, count them, 70 points will do for you. The Dolphins roll at home in the opener over the Denver Broncos. 70 to 20 is your final. We'll break it all down, including audio from Tua Tungavailoa, from Mike McDaniel, from Raheem Mostert, from Teron Armstead. I'll give you my five takeaways. We'll tell you the story of the game, the play before the play, talk about all the individuals that popped off in this one as the Dolphins pull off a 70-20 victory, and you know what time that means that it is. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Where do you start after a football game like that? First, let's go ahead and mention this. The Dolphins are 3-0, and nobody else in the AFC can say that. They're atop the AFC East. They're atop the AFC. They have three conference victories. One of those is a victory in the division on the road with a chance to get a second one of those next week in Buffalo. We'll get to that when we get to that, though, because this Miami Dolphins team, they set or tied 13 franchise records with a 70-20 victory over the Denver Broncos first. Miami scored 14 in the first, 21 in the second, 14 in the third, 21 in the fourth. And here are some of the numbers from the game. The Dolphins achieved 30 first downs to Denver 16. They were five of nine on third down, just one for four on fourth down, or one for three on fourth down, rather. The Broncos had three for 12 on third down, very efficient there, and 0 for one on fourth. Miami, Miami outgained Denver 726 to 363. They outpassed them 376 to 294. They outrushed them 350 to 69. The Dolphins ran 71 plays and achieved 726 yards. That is 10.2 yards per play. They came into this game averaging 7.3 yards per play, was one full yard more than the second place team in that category, which that category typically translates over the course of a 17-game season into the best offenses in the NFL. And well, Miami got after it with over 10 yards per play in a game where they ran 71 plays. Absolutely outrageous. The Dolphins also had three takeaways and no giveaways. They did not allow a quarterback sack, and they got Russell Wilson to the ground one time. They also had fewer penalties, six for 55 to Denver's seven for 46, and the Miami Dolphins possessed the football for 33 minutes and 21 seconds in the game. How about those records we talked about? Most points in franchise history, 70. They were just two points off the all-time mark, which was done back in 1940. I mean, come on, the Dolphins are really by modern era standards that's the record 70 points which the Ravens got or rather the Rams got against the Ravens back in 1950 and Washington scored 72 against the Giants back in 1966 so I feel pretty confident saying that the Miami Dolphins performance in this game is the best 
in the modern era since uh, since the merger, right? So pretty pretty impressive what they pulled off there. How about the most total yards in a game? 726. Most touchdowns in a game? 10. Most rushing yards in a game? 350. Most PATs? 10 in a game. Uh, how about some individual records? Most touchdowns in a game by a rookie for Devon A. Chain? Four. Jason Sanders had the 10 PATs. That's a record for an individual. Most rushing yards in a game by a rookie? 203 for A. Chain. Most passing yards through three games in Dolphins history? Tua has 1,024 yards. Most receiving yards through three games in Dolphins history. Tyreek Hill has 412. Most points scored in a game by an individual. Raheem and Devon both scored 24 points in this game. Those are records together. Most touchdowns in a game. Well, the Raheem and Devon both tied that mark as well with four each. And then most points scored in the second half of a game in team history. They tied that with 35. Again, 70 points, the most in the NFL since 1966 and tied for the third most in any game in NFL history. Why don't we go ahead and hear from Mike McDaniel how it all happened. Oh, that's a lot of players executing a lot of things um, to a standard that's unrelenting. Um, you know, I think the you, you see where guys are at, um, for me, when you have a, a lead. Um, so many leads are vulnerable in this league. Um, so, you know, we'd talked at length um, all off season, you go, um, you know, just about adversity. And sometimes adversity is having um, a, a score or two lead because you can let the atmosphere dictate um, your product. Uh, so what I saw from um, a lot of guys, and specifically when you're talking about um, that type of production, well, that, that's, that's guys really taking, taking it to heart that, you know, we have one op with this team in 2023, um, and we're going to make the most of it and um, be unrelenting with our standards. So, um, you know, I, I, I've said it time and time again that it's an incredibly coachable locker room, um, and they, uh, they definitely earned that, that victory. Okay, let's go ahead and cover the game story. I'm sure most of you watched the game. If you did not, welcome into the podcast. We'll go ahead and tell you about how the Dolphins pulled off a 70-20 victory over the Denver Broncos. And it started early, a three-play, 75-yard drive where I was really impressed early on. We'll get to this in the takeaways with how the Dolphins just continue to develop wrinkles off of the looks they run offensively. The first two plays of the game, little outside toss plays, and there was tons of toss sweeps in this game, tons of crack toss where you have the receiver come back and pin the outside edge. And then all of a sudden, it's a running back, Raheem or Devon, up against a cornerback who... Those guys, you know, their primary job in the NFL is not to tackle on the perimeter. It is part of the job, but they're cover guys primarily. Whereas you hem that edge defender in and get your running back one-on-one against a cornerback, that's pretty a pretty smart way to get your running back in position to make one man miss, which is what you want to do on every single run. Block it up well, have your running back miss, and they continue to get themselves gaps off the edge where they can utilize that speed and utilize both A-Chain, Mostert, Savon Ahmed, when he gets back, Jeff Wilson, today, Chris Brooks, all those guys' ability to slip tackles, attack the edge of the defender, and create space that way. But 
it, it was so cool to see the Dolphins run that opening play off the left, get linebacker flow that way. They peel off of that and come with the pass to Durham Smythe back over the middle that worked off that same concept. Then the third play of the game, you run this crossing concept where Tyreek and Chosen cross over the middle of the field and two defenders converge on the dig route by Chosen and Tyreek runs the deep over, the deep cross, or I think they call it a high cross, and tosses that long pass to him. And then from there, he's off to the races for a 54-yard touchdown and goes and sits in the stands with his friends and celebrates with Miami Dolphins fans. And the offensive line on that play, as they were all day long, absolutely stellar. Teron Armstead won his block so convincingly, and so did Isaiah Wynn, and so did Connor Williams, and so did Austin Jackson, where Rob Hunt, on that look where he pulls backside and goes and picks up the edge on his own, he didn't have anything to do because all other four guys were locked down in their one-on-one pass protection. And of course he went and found work because that's what he does. But it was a microcosm of what was to come in this game. But to Ron Armstead, fantastic on that rep. Broncos go three and out after Cater cuts down an end around in wide open space and then makes a great play on the football against Cortland Sutton down the field. Just love the way Cater stays in phase, stays patient and separates the hands. He is really coming into his own here early on in second, the second season of his career. The Dolphins come back with a 79-yard touchdown drive that finishes with an eight-yard Devon A-chain run. Uh, Armstead, a couple of big blocks in space again. A-chain, a 26-yard play where you saw the speed for the first time really pop. Tua hit Raheem on a couple of passes. Anything you want down the field, Miami goes and scores. The Broncos answer back and get a 75-yard touchdown of their own to make it 14-7. But here comes Miami once again, 75 yards. This time a Tua pass to A-chain for six. The little shovel inside his First career receiving touchdown, second career touchdown, and a second touchdown in this game as well. But it was more of the same. They continued to get different looks. Two to Tyreek for 19 yards, this time against zone coverage. So you see the Broncos trying to figure out how do we attack this offense. And we talked about Patrick Sertan, who for my money is probably the best cornerback in the National Football League. He, They went after him today, and they had success going up against the best in the league. Man, zone, they were trying to find answers, and they just couldn't find any of them as Miami got whatever they wanted all day long. They go from that look to an I-formation play where Raheem gets 17 yards with Williams and Jackson hitting big seals and Rob Hunt climbing up to the second level like he does every single game, erasing linebackers. You get back-to-back screens to Raheem Mostert. You kind of wondered who might fill in for Waddle's absence in this game in the passing game and the answer was a lot of guys but Mostert kind of fulfilled that role having the third most receiving yards on the team in the game and it was second most until Chosen got deep for a long touchdown more on that in a moment you get Tua to Barrios on third and four where they he just understands the pre-snap process of what he's looking at Tua does and we'll talk about this more in a minute where they get pressure you know I thought Austin kind of got pushed back a little bit in the Tua's lap but the ball's out so quick it just didn't matter so the one time one couple times they get pass rush wins wasn't very frequently but when they do our quarterback masks it that's his superpower man one of his many superpowers that he has we also had three penalties or three situations on this drive where Miami got backed up first and 17 second 19 and first and 20 overcame all of them it just did not matter at that point at this point two was 12 for 12 a buck 55 and two touchdowns and a chain had 63 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns and Miami's averaging 10.7 yards per play when will it stop The answer is it didn't. The Broncos do answer back with a field goal to make it 21-10. You get a third and 17 play where, once again, Cater Coe, who flies downhill and blows up a screen pass and creates uh, some indecision or some bounce back from the receiver, and he runs right into Van Ginkle for a double-team tackle to get that play down on the ground. And in fact, Javon Holland made a big play on second and goal 
on that drive where he got the ball carrier down before the, the end zone, and that created a situation where the Broncos got flagged on third and down, creates a third and 17. That gives you the play they made there. So Javon Holland on that big stick on the ball carrier, along with Deshaun Elliott, was our play before the play. Just noting that here off the top. You then come back, and the Dolphins turn it over on downs. Uh, four plays, four straight runs, th- uh, two consecutive runs up the middle for Ingold, stuffed on third and fourth and one. That was about the only part that went wrong for the Dolphins' offense in this game. And then the Dolphins' complimentary football and defense to come back on the other side. And it's 21-10. The Broncos are right in this game. They're in scoring range. They're in field goal range already. But what does Miami do but get a a negative seven-yard drive out of their defense to push them back? Jerome Baker gets a a, a beats a block for a pressure. Wilkins and Ginkle make a play on a big big negative run play to turn it into second and 14 and just third and 17. Then you get a blitz from Xavier Howard to heat up Russell Wilson where he throws it away for incomplete, and they have to punt the football. And then Miami comes back and gets a 20-yard touchdown run from Raheem Mostert after the play where Tyreek catches one for 13 yards and almost stayed up on the tackler and took off for 66 more yards. It was a fun highlight. It didn't count, but it also didn't matter because we go Raheem for eight, Raheem for 15 from Tua, Craycraft for 13. Tua just in his bag, 16 for 16. In fact, he hit his first 17 passes in this game, and then Raheem hits a 20-yard touchdown run with conviction, breaks a linebacker tackle, sprints to the pylon for six, dives in for a touchdown, one of his four on the day. Then you get a one-play drive from the Broncos. It's a Javon Holland punch-out fumble forced. Van Ginkle scoops it up and shows you the running back skills that he has. He runs with the ball very intently, doesn't he? He looks so good doing that several years in a row now. Takes it down to the three-yard line and Raheem Mostert goes in untouched for a three-yard touchdown run to make it was at 35 to to 10 at this point. The Broncos do get a field goal, hit some more explosive plays, but Justin Bethel comes down and shuts down a screenplay to put them in position for a field goal try. So 35-13 at the half. The Broncos come out and punt right away with two really impressive plays from Justin Bethel and David Long. They both came down and defended running plays where they scraped off of the block, off of the uh, connection of offensive line versus defensive line, stay in tight to that block, come down and, and peel off of that and make the play in the backfield. Both he and David Long had big sticks. David Long's a three-yard tackle for loss on third and one to force the punt team out. Dolphins get the ball back, and they go down and score a touchdown. Six it, Consistently throughout this game, the offensive line, so much push. And Raheem, I cannot wait to see his broken tackle yardage and yards after contact for both he and A-Chain. But so frequently on those outside perimeter runs, the Dolphins running backs are getting two, three, four yards into the defense before they even get contact. That's a good recipe for success running the football. Then you go two to Tyreek on third down with a Beautiful throw where he's got pressure in his face, moves out to the outside, throws it right on the face mask of Tyreek Hill. Just absolutely beautiful. Then he finally misses a throw. It's it's the one that was a little bit off to Tyreek on a comeback. It was kind of a cool angle I had in the press box coming right towards me. I was like, ah, he's got that anticipation. Ball's out early. Tyreek snaps it off, and the ball just comes up a little bit short, his first miss of the day. And that was really the only ball that we thought, you know, Seth OJ and I thought that he actually missed the throw on. So one throw of the entire 26th throw day for Tua, he misses. How how dare he? Uh, Then we get H on 40 yards on that little reverse working through all that traffic just making guys miss through a sea of orange jerseys so impressive and then Raheem Mostert becomes the first Dolphins touchdown with three Dolphins player with three rushing touchdowns since Ricky Williams in 2019 to make it 42 to 13 and then the Broncos fumble again and this is after they had another big play in fact the Broncos had a lot of explosive plays in this game long kickoff return for a touchdown at one point we'll talk about this they had seven plays of 15 yards plus something to get corrected for next week but the Dolphins stayed with it on one of these plays where it looked like a bust in coverage Javon Holland runs it down and strips it out Cater Kohu falls on it another takeaway there 
Dolphin take the football back and go score another touchdown and to make it 49 to 13. Just Tua to A chain for a bunch of forced missed tackles, 17 yards. Tua to Tyreek for 18 yards. Run the ball all the way down the field. Just put the ball in perfect shape. And then Tua passes to Raheem, who has an absolutely stunning run, making guys miss, tapping his toes inside the white perimeter to stay in bounds and gets a lead block from Julian Hill for a nice catch and run for a touchdown, his fourth of the game. The Dolphins come back and get a pick off Russell Wilson. Deshaun Hand bats the ball down. Emmanuel Ogba picks it up and has a first career pick for the Miami Dolphins. He also had a sack later in the game. That was great to see from Ogba to see him do the roll the dice and celebrate like he does. Uh, Dolphins come back and score a touchdown on the second shovel pass inside. We get all this orbit motion, reverse action. Two looks like he's going to hand it off to the running back going around him. And then he takes it with his right hand, flips it inside. No look for a touchdown. His second such of the day. Dolphins go three and out. Broncos go three and out. Then we get Mike White, 68 yards to Robbie Chosen for a touchdown, a thing of beauty. The Broncos return the ensuing kickoff for a touchdown to get back on the board for their 20th points of the game. And then Miami gives it back to Devon A-Chain, and he goes 70 yards for a touchdown run. And then I stopped taking notes. So the Dolphins were in position to kick a field goal there to make it 73-13 to 13, or to 20 at the end. They opted not to. Good choice there, good sportsmanship from coach to not go for the field goal to get the record-setting points, but they were in position to potentially attempt that long field goal. That's your game story. It's a long one. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there. We'll come back on this side and do a couple takeaways, and we'll finish up with the rest of the five takeaways here from the Dolphins 70, Broncos 20. That's all next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Segment number two of a week three recap podcast here. Your host, Travis Wingfield. How much fun was that? 70-20, to 20, the Dolphins win to go to 3-0 for the second consecutive season. Let's go ahead and do our five big picture takeaways from this game. And I wrote this down pretty early on, and things got a little more out of hand after the fact. But number one is the offense continues to give the defense more than they can handle, and Tua is the point guard of it all. I mentioned it in the game story. Just the action on that opening drive with the sweep runs that we'd see so much more of. The idea of getting receivers involved in the blocking game down the field, on crack toss, out in space, on screens, for one another on end of rounds. They just work relentlessly together to create big plays in the run game and the passing game. And then Coach McDaniel creates all these, this action and wrinkles and we're going to show you one thing and give you something else. And I keep going back to the comment he made where like, he kind of talked about laughing at the idea of Mike McDaniel's offense. It's like, no, nah, it's not really what it is. It's an offense that evolves year to year because if you're not staying ahead of the game, then you're going to get caught up and all of a sudden your system can get figured out and you'll be relegated back to a coordinator or a position coach where you know, you worked all your life to get to this position. But if you stay stagnant, you're going to wind up going back to where you were when you wanted to be in this position. Uh, the, the shovel passes inside. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? The the ability to erase long down distances. It doesn't matter if they lose yards on plays. It doesn't matter if they get flagged for penalties. You don't want those things, but they overcome them all the time. And so this offense, the way it's creating space, the way it's running the football, 
first team ever to run for 350 and pass for 350 in a football game. We saw it last year, the Cleveland Browns game, I thought was the most complete offensive showing for the Dolphins in the entire season. And they put up points on points on points on points because they could run the football and hit the Browns with the pass in that game. We saw it in this one. We've seen it all year, really, for the first three games. It wasn't as, you know, volume numbers for the first game, but the efficiency has been there. And so that complements a quarterback who is playing right now out of his mind. I mean, the way Tua is seeing the field, the way he's playing, how good does he look? He looks to me like a slugger who is seeing beach balls right now come off the pitcher's hand. He hits the back of that drop. The ball's out. It's on target. He knows where his answers are. It's There's a play in the game where he has pressure against a free run off play action, back to the defense, turns around. A massive human being is right there in his face, closing downhill. It doesn't matter. I'll just fade away from it, drop the arm slot around you, and throw it right on the face mask of the receiver 10 yards down the field. The timing of these plays, whether it's Waddle, whether it's Tyreek, whether it's Today, Cedric and Chosen, whether it's Craycraft, whether it's Julian Hillard, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's all so perfect. It's all so well orchestrated. Coach talked about this in his post-game press conference about the orchestration of this offense and how timing-based it is and how important it is for your quarterback to be so on with every rhythm, everything that he does. And Tua is that getting the running backs involved. He knows where the defense's vulnerability is. We know about all these Two high shells that teams have played. If you're the Patriots last week, a three high shell will take away all the vertical passing game, force an offense to stay on the field, force them to matriculate the ball down the field, and eventually they'll make a mistake, right? Two is not making the mistake. He made, you know, one last week and one in the Charger game, but that's it. And when you're scoring 130 points in three games, who gives a damn? You can afford a couple of picks here and there as long as you stay aggressive and stay diligent and stay deliberate with how you're throwing the football. And Tua is just on it, man. You know, I talk about Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network analyst and and Move the Sticks podcast all the time. And I recall on a podcast, he talked once about how the maturation of a quarterback should look something like this. At first, you probably have to make most of your plays with your athletic ability, your arm, whatever the case may be, your natural physical skills. Then as you mature a little bit, you begin to understand more passing concepts and what they're supposed to do and how they benefit you. But then as you hit your peak and your prime and you establish your position in the NFL, you should begin to understand the vulnerability of coverages, the defensive structure, how their concepts are vulnerable, how to attack those vulnerabilities. And I think it's pretty damn safe to say that we have arrived at that moment this year with Tua because everything he's doing in structure, outside creating, pre and post snap, the accuracy, different throws, he's arrived, man. I mean, look at these stats on the season. He's 23 or he's 72 for 101. He has 1,024 passing yards, eight touchdowns, two picks, and a 121.9 passer rating. He's en fuego. Let's go ahead and hear from him on how cleaning up the operation a little bit this offseason has benefited him and this entire offense to, again, go out and put up 130 points in three football games. Yeah, I, I think this is this is uh, some of the best that Mike's done. And it's not not necessarily the play call as much as how, how much uh, or how fast Mike gets the play in and how we can operate with our motions, our pre-snap deals, um, get guys in the right positions. And I think he's done a really, really good job. Uh, that's something that we wanted to work that we've wanted to work on this offseason and uh, it's paying dividends for us. Look, this is going to sound like a selfless, shameless plug here. No, selfish, shameless plug here on the podcast. 
But I talked about it all summer long that I was so excited about this offense because I believed the areas of the shortcomings this offense had a season ago, I thought were so easily fixable. We didn't have to go out and find a 4-2 receiver that was one of the best in the league. We didn't have to go out and find a, a quarterback with a top five draft pick. We didn't have to go out and find an innovative play caller. We had to figure out how to clean up pre-snap operation and cut down offensive penalties and they worked diligently all offseason as a team to go out and accomplish that. And through three games, they have. And it makes me think about the benefit of that, of getting this team to the line of scrimmage with 15, 20 seconds on the play clock, opposed to 10 like it was last year at times, where you're trying to get all these motions sorted out and try to get things figured out. Because for Tua, once he can diagnose and see, oh, there's quarter, quarter, half, that's a hybrid coverage, I have I have uh, quarters over here, I have cover two over here, once he can process all that, then get to his motions, he can be the most dangerous quarterback in the NFL because of how sharp he is with all that stuff, because of how accurate he is, because of how he can anticipate when he has that information. You have taken this quarterback's strengths, you've built around it, and now in the second year, you've enhanced it in a way that is almost indescribable because, I mean, our offense had a record-setting day by scoring the most points in franchise history and the third most points of all time, and we didn't even have a receiver who last year was on the doorstep of 1,400 receiving yards. He wasn't in there. In fact, we haven't had a game this year with Tua, Tyreek, Teestead, and Waddle all together. That was a big concern, right? I remember being in Houston in joint practices hearing the chatter. If they lose Tyreek, if they lose Teron, this offense is screwed. 130 points. I don't think so, Tim. 23 for 26, 309, four touchdowns, a 155.8 passer rating. Again, he's 72 for 101. He has 1,024 passing yards in three games. He has eight touchdowns, two picks, a 121.9 passer rating. Let's go ahead and hear from his head coach on the growth Tua has displayed as he had an opportunity today that was similar to the pick he threw against the Patriots last week. But Tua, the most coachable player he's ever coached and the most or the best learner he's ever been around, learned from that mistake and grew upon it. No, he's he's learning um, every week, man. He he is the one of the. Uh, I've said it before on record. He's like the the most coachable, best learner that I've ever been around. So, the everything that happens, you know, uh, you've, you guys have you heard adversity is an opportunity. Yeah, um, well, that's that's how he looks at it, and he. Um, you know, for instance, he thought he was shortchanging how fast I was getting the plays in last week and wasn't looking at his wristband fast enough. So he was he kept the tempo moving. Um, and then you have to you have to execute aggressively what the defense is um, giving up while they take something away. So, you know, when when safeties are super high and wide and and deep, um, you know, he, he learned from his interception from uh, the, the Patriots game. In that moment, he was trying to win the game and threw it up to Tyreek, and he had a check down to um, Raheem Mostert. Uh, I think it was on the same play or a very similar play. It wasn't the same play, but a similar situation where he threw in the second half a check down to uh, Devon that last week he would have thrown into tight coverage. Um, and that's all you're trying to do uh, is, is a lot of people, it, it's hard to get better continually. 
because it's exhausting and you just want to feel like, man, I've arrived. That's not him. That's why we'll continue to see a better version of him as, as he progresses. Um, he's uh, a season and three games into this offense. Um, and the sky's the limit for him as long as him and his teammates continue to uh, put as much focus um, on preparation and practice and all of those things that um, make Sundays possible like that. Amazing, amazing day. Again, first team to ever rush for 350 and throw for 350, and the Dolphins have the second highest success rate. We're going to get more analytics on tomorrow's podcast for you guys. Since 2012, they are 54.6 success rate, and the difference between the Dolphins and the second-place team on that list is the same difference between the second-place team on that list and 19th-place team. The Dolphins' offense right now is doing something very, very, very special. Takeaway number two, welcome back to the lineup to Ron Armstead. You get the big man back, a potential future Hall of Fame left tackle, had a great career with the Saints, looked awesome with us in the one-plus year that we've had him here, and you just start rolling. I mean, the pass protection on the 54-yard Tyreek touchdown, the 10-yard carry that Raheem had, or rather 15-yard carry Raheem had in the second drive, he gets out in space and wipes out a defensive back. He carries a, a, a linebacker down the field 20 yards on a separate block. He was just in his bag. I cannot wait to go back and watch the tape and give you guys more info on this because right now I don't have a lot, just those few plays I mentioned for you there. But, hey, we're averaging 70 points per game with Thrawn in the lineup. Let's go ahead and hear from him on the game on what he thinks this offense proved today. I think we're dangerous, you know what I mean? So I think we're going to get every team's best. So it's, it's no, you know, what we did to this team, what we know. I think we're going to get every team's best shot. They're going to put their best game plan together. They got guys, We got guys on the edge that they have to scheme for. We got guys on the backfield that have this game for us. So it's no, it's no nobody's going to take us lightly anyway. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, we're going to get everybody best shot. He's not wrong there, and I trust the Dolphins to give their best shot back in return. Again, the entire offensive line deserves their flowers. In fact, takeaway number three takes us into the backfield. And welcome to Miami, Devon A-Chain. But also don't forget about Raheem Mostert. He's pretty damn good too. Eight touchdowns among the Dolphin two backs. And Chris Brooks had himself a big game as well. But, man, how fast did Devon A-Chain look? We talked about his speed all offseason, right? McDaniel fist pumping after the draft. The projected potential all-time 40-yard dash at the, at the combine. Didn't go that way, but he was still sub 4-4. And he has the quicks. He has the jets. We heard from fantasy pundits, film gurus, myself, how much his speed and his dynamic ability to threaten the edge could benefit this offense. And now, maybe they didn't honor him enough because he was doing whatever he wanted all day long in the passing game and the running game. He started off early in this game, four for 41, a touchdown on that first drive as kind of the feature guy on that drive. Ends the day with over 200 yards on the ground, 18 for 203, two touchdowns. He caught four for 30 and scored two touchdowns. How about the touchdown that he scored in the play that got called back on the hold? Like, that was maybe his best run. Shot out of a cannon. He is now one of five Miami Dolphins in the top five this year in the next-gen stats top-timed speeds as ball carriers. Tyreek has three. Raheem has one. A-Chain has one. Fastest team in the NFL. Devon A-Chain adds to that. And it just feels like it's not fair. It feels like it's not fair to put this guy in the lineup after what you already have across the entire offense. And then on top of the fact that this 185-pound back can beat anybody on the football field with speed, how about the fact that the first two touchdowns he scored, 
He powers through a tackler at the three-yard line and drops the shoulder and runs through him over the goal line. And then the shovel pass, the first one, by the way, he catches it. And I thought Connor Williams had a really good block inside, but he falls off of it late. And the D-tackle presents himself right there at the two-yard line. And A-chain drops the shoulder and pushes him into the end zone. (laughs) What? It's a 150-pound difference and you're doing that? Absolutely outrageous. The 40-yard end-around reverse where he just weaved through the orange jerseys, it feels like a cheat code. It feels not fair. And we got him. He's ours. Rookie Devon A. Chain. What a big day he had in week number three. And then Raheem Mostert was like just as good as Devon A. Chain was. Found the end zone four times. He now leads the NFL with seven touchdowns this season. That beautiful catch and run for a, a, a what was a 19-yard score from Tua. The beautiful run of the 20-yard touchdown that he had. He was six for 61, a touchdown in the first half. Again, became the first Dolphins back with three rushing touchdowns in a game since Ricky Williams in 2009. Let's go ahead and hear from Raheem on the performance today and what it proved particularly up front in the trenches. The, the line of scrimmage, um, I harped on that um, from the jump. You know, if we can establish the line of scrimmage, we'll, we'll have a good chance on, um, you know, getting to that second, third level and even those home run uh, plays. So to be able to, to see the O-line, I mean, they, those guys don't get enough credit and it's sad because those guys really um, have gotten a lot better, um, especially from last year. You know, they, they improved last year. Uh, we were able to do some things, but this year they're on a whole nother level. Um, they they understand the assignments a lot better. Um, you got Butch Barry, who's a phenomenal coach. I was with him in San Francisco, and um, he he's going to bring that tenacity for the for the O line, which you need, uh, especially down in the trenches. He finishes the day. 13 carries, 82 yards, three rushing touchdowns, seven catches, 60 yards, and a fourth touchdown, that one receiving. Let's actually go ahead and continue this here because I, I mentioned it off the top. Teron Armstead was awesome. Isaiah Wynn, fantastic. Again, I mentioned this, guys. How much did I talk about how I think that the Dolphins kind of struck some gold with Isaiah Wynn and Kendall Lamb in terms of you know, bargain-level contracts to get a, a really good starting left guard, a guy that can start at left tackle and be 12th in the NFL in pass rush win rate or pass block win rate. Like, that's your swing tackle. He's awesome. You get two of these guys at low cost, and they are coming out and performing. Connor Williams left with a groin injury. Coach McDaniel would not comment on the severity of that, but he did say that in talking to Kyle Johnston, the Dolphins' head trainer, that it didn't seem to be too serious, and Connor did run off to the tunnel himself after the injury. So that was good to see. Rob Hunt, I think, is having a Pro Bowl right guard season right now. He has been fantastic. And Austin Jackson, like, actually, you know what? This might be more of an Austin Jackson thing, but here's what Tua had to say about the offensive line and how they've earned the right to be a little bit, you know, nose up about the way they've played football this year compared to the criticism they've got heading into the season. I I would say with what we had installed this week um, with our plays, I mean, our, our plays allow me to be able to uh, find the open read uh, quick and, and distribute the, the ball. You know, it throws off the timing of the rushers, and it also helps our guys up front. But like that, that's just also a tremendous effort from our guys up front. Um, you know, being sacked really only once in three games, and everyone's been saying, we need this on our O-line, we need that on our O-line, we need better this, we need better that. Like. That's just a big middle finger to everyone that's been saying that from our whole line. So, you know, I think they've done a tremendous job, and Mike has has helped with that. But you can't uh, you can't discredit the work that they've put in this offseason. You're damn right, Tua. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side and finish up takeaways four and five. That's next Drive Time Podcast. Your host Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Takeaways four and five. These will be faster. Number four is the Dolphins pressure package on a long down and distance makes for excellent complimentary football. We've talked about this for years now, right? And at length in this particular year, the importance of complimentary football and with this Dolphins defense, how it complements the offense in the sense that they want to be a little bit more inviting to the running game, less guys in the box, right? Like you don't want to give up rushing yards, but you're putting more emphasis on the deep passing game and limiting big plays to force opposing offenses to nickel and dime you and sustain drives because against this offense, good luck trying to do that to win games. Just big time production from the Dolphins passing defense, rushing defense, another good game from them here after things were a little bit slow to start. But Denver did get a couple of big ones and a couple of big runs as well. But, you know, the Dolphins clamped down there late in the game. And then when the offense goes down the field for, you know, 21 points on three drives, Opposing teams are going to have to find a way to be successful without balance against a defense that has shown you how effective they can be in the blitzing game. And it can come from anywhere. It can be your middle linebacker. It can be David Long. It can be Xavier Howard who had a pressure on Russell Wilson. And then as the game wears down and they have to go into more passing situations, you get all these one-on-one victories, whether it's Chubb, whether it's Phillips, whether it's Wilkins, whether it's Sealer, whether it's Emmanuel Ogba, just guys getting constant pressure on opposing quarterbacks. I love the way they played the blitz after the Broncos got back into field goal range to create some negative plays, push them back. That drive that began after the Dolphins turned it over on downs, again, dial up the pressure, push the quarterback back, get some negative plays, and get your defense off the field. So the defense's ability to complement the offense with their style is a big takeaway for me here. And then number five is the Broward boys. Mike White, 68 yards downfield to Robbie Chosen. How damn cool is that? Pembroke Pines to Fort Lauderdale. Seth was saying to me earlier in the press box that, you know, McDaniel doesn't lose sight of like these important personal accomplishments for guys. And when he, when Tua came back out having 299 passing yards, the game probably already in hand, like get him his 300 yard passing day. They did Braxton Berrios getting his reps in his first game as a Miami Dolphin here back in his hometown home stadium and things that are just not lost in the head coach, like having Mike White in the game and Robbie chosen and dialing up a deep shot. Here's coach on how those guys earned that opportunity and how proud he is of Chosen and Mike White. No, I, absolutely. I think that when you're building something, um, you, you set forth a standard with which your expectations need to be met, not just from the coaching staff, but from within the locker room. Those guys are on the team for a reason. And, um, you know, when, when you diligently work, um, it's it, it's funny how opportunities can present themselves. Um, I think, uh, you know, Mike Mike White has been an awesome addition to our team, and then um, Chosen has remained steadfast in the fact that he he wants to be on this team. Um, he 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 probably wouldn't, um, you know. For, I don't want to speak for him, but like the amount of respect that he commands by um, selflessly just going about his business and and trying to contribute. You know, he just wants to be a part of his hometown team. 
and he is, and he, and he, I think he showed why today. Absolutely awesome. And look, I, I mentioned this, the explosive plays was one thing that I want to just kind of get out of the way here because there was, you know, some things that I think you can always correct even in a win. Plays of 17, 15, 16, 38, 20, 30, and 25 yards, also a kickoff return for a touchdown. In total, Denver did have 389 yards. Uh, their rushing was at just 3.5 yards per carry, the same as last week after they complimented the quarterback runs from Mac Jones in that game. But if you have one bone to pick, it's that Denver early in the game was kind of getting up and down the field. Now, it is a 60-minute game, and ultimately we put them to bet to rest uh, with the way the game finished. But big test next week on the road in Buffalo. We're going to need all three phases to be at their best. And, however, they also had their own explosive plays. Two fumbles forced and recovered, Holland and Van Ginkle, Holland and Kohu, and then the pick by Manuel Ogba, pretty good right there, and just continued to see the way this defense can complement the offense, I think is going to only get better as we go along, as the system becomes more and more second nature. As they figure out who they are on that side of the ball, the offense obviously has defense, I think is getting there slowly but surely. I want to shout out David Long and Jerome Baker. I thought they had excellent games today. Emmanuel Ogba as well. I mentioned Andrew Van Ginkle. I thought he had a great game. Holland and Deshaun Elliott have looked really good in the back end at the safety position. And again, Cater Kohu, just some names I wanted to put on the podcast as guys I thought excelled. All right. A long recap podcast, but what do you expect? 70 points. You're going to have to take some time talking about it. And speaking of that, I don't know how I'm going to do the All-22 Review podcast because we scored 10 touchdowns and I can't pick five tapes possibly. I'm going to try my best to do that and keep it concise. We'll see how that goes for me. Uh, keep me in your T's and P's while I'm doing that and putting that show together because I cannot wait to watch this tape. Until then, though, enjoy it, guys. Enjoy This is something special. I feel like this team is building something very special. 3-0, and only unbeaten team in the AFC again enjoy the hell out of it. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on social at Linkfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with my guys Seth and Juice. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Cameron. Daddy's coming home for bedtime. <laughs> <laughs>